I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate Welcome and welcome and welcome in episode 40 40 feels like a milestone. Maybe it's not, but it feels that way. So I say again, welcome to the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates. You can also drop an email to me, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to do so. I hope you've been enjoying this series. I know I have had some great guests on. We've talked some great prospects. We are helping you build your big board for those rookie drafts coming up right around the corner. And today we have the one and only Mr. Alfred Fernandez back again for his last episode on this occasion, though hopefully not ever, at Alfred JF on Twitter. Make sure and give him a follow. Co-founder of Campus to Canton, as we covered last week. He is a great dude, knows a lot about these prospects. And we are diving into two more interesting wide receivers here in this episode. So let's get it. Something is wrong with you. I got a fever. Adam himself could not resist the temptation of rookie fever. Jumping right back in with my man Alfred here from Campus to Canton. We are covering two more prospects that are fairly intriguing from a film versus an um, an analytics perspective. And so far, so good. I mean, the first two we pretty much agreed with. So, hey, guys, maybe film and analytics aren't so different after all. So I think the best world is the world where we we, we use both, really. Let's be honest. It's fun to joke about um, and have a little laugh about film versus analytics and stuff. But in all honesty, I think there's really amazing things on both sides and something we can certainly learn from. And that's what this show is all about. Guest first, as always, we are diving into a really, really interesting dude here, Calvin Austin the third. And I've mentioned this previously, and I stand by this. Whenever a player has a the third at the end of their name, you have to adjust the ranks for the drip factor. It's just it's just the rules. I don't make the rules. Don't at me. It is what it is. He comes from Memphis, which I got to be honest with you, I just have a soft spot in my heart for Memphis players. Every single year, they seem to bring somebody, Kenneth Gainwell last year, Antonio Gibson. There's always somebody that just pulls up my heartstrings, and I love watching. Could be this dude this year. Um, he's a red shirt senior, 22 years old. He was only a three-star recruit coming out of high school. Now, he's a small dude. He's a, He is definitely a small dude, and I know that there's a lot of concern about that on the film streets, but I'll be interested to hear what the analytics streets have to say. He's only five foot eight and he comes in at 170 pounds soaking wet. He's got nine and a quarter inch hands, but athletically he smashed the combine and you really see that on his film as well. He's a burner for four, three, two 40, 39 inch vert, which is very nice and 11 foot three inch broad. So again, we've talked about it before, but just in case this is your first episode, the reason we get excited about these combine numbers is not because 
that is what they're going to be doing in the NFL is running in their underwear. What we get excited about, especially with the vert and the broad jump, is we want to see their short area burst. We want to see how explosive they are and kind of compare and contrast. If you've got two guys that you're really, really, really in love with and you need to separate, why not take the one that's more athletic? You know, And that's just a way to sort of maybe get a little bit into the nitty-gritty and just kind of give us a little bit of an insight into um, what their athletic makeup is all about. Um, he was a track and field standout in high school, and he actually competed into college level um, at track and field, which again is not surprising when you see his combine numbers. As far as we've touched on it, every prospect, the breakout age, he was 21.5. It's not anything to get too excited or jump up and down about. Um, he did have a 28.5% college target share, which is 86th percentile. So that's a lot better, a lot more what we're looking for. And he finished his career ranked second all time in Memphis history in receiving touchdowns with 22 and fourth in receiving yards at 2,541 and fifth in reception. So he certainly made an impact in the school's history um, and what he was able to accomplish there. And he was, again, Again, to a point we've made in previous um, discussions here, he was used in special teams, which I think is going to be massive for him to hopefully make an impact at the next level. Um, in 36 games, he had 156 receptions for 2,541 yards, 16.3 yards per reception, and 22 touchdowns. And I'm going to throw it to my man Alfred here, and he's going to break down Calvin Austin the third. All right. I like Calvin Austin quite a bit. <clears throat> now, take everything with a, with a, in the context of – he should be no earlier than like probably a fourth round rookie pick. So like when I say I love him, I love him as a fourth round or later rookie pick. Do not misunderstand me. I'm, I'm pumping him up to say like stick out your neck for this guy. But in that part of the draft, he's got some very interesting traits. Now, like you mentioned, he played at track and field and he, he actually competed in track and field at Memphis until his uh, redshirt junior season in 2020 when COVID canceled track and field. And he just said, you know what, I'm just going to do all football. That also coincides when he broke out. So he's a little interesting. Now, early breakout age is like my gospel. Like that's, that is the, one of the most important things for me. But come there, you know, everyone's got a little bit of a unique story. Everyone's got some nuance to exactly how they arrived where they are now. So he's got an interesting one. He split time. He wasn't all football. So, so think about the college, the college game and the dedication and the, the time you have to put in for practicing and also your studies and blah, 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 everything. He's doing that for two sports. So it's a little understandable. Maybe he didn't refine his game enough on the, on the football side or, you know, just like didn't grow enough as a true receiver on the football side. But he, he focused on it and became pretty lethal for Memphis in the last few seasons. He is small, but he's, he's short. He's not that small. Honestly, tipping at 170 is what Devonta Smith weighed in at, at about five inches taller. So, like, he's dense given his height. But his height will probably limit him in terms of, like, I'm not saying he's going to be, like, a fantasy wide receiver one. Like, that's just almost not possible. But... He shows some things where in your deep dynasty leagues, this is an interesting guy. Like you mentioned, punt returns. And I want to mention a little bit of, uh, so I did basically a study back when I was writing for DLF. So this was like 2020, maybe 2019. I went back and looked at all the wide receivers since 2017 who had a top 24 PPR fantasy season. 
Most of them were drafted in the first three rounds. That's why draft capital is so important. I think 33 out of 40 I looked at, top three rounds. Then there were seven, four, fifth, and sixth round, and um, undrafted free agents. For the day three picks and beyond, all seven returned punts in college. So seven out of seven. Now, that's a small sample size, but I it definitely trended. So first round, only 38% of those guys returned punts. Second round picks, 55% returned punts. Third round picks, 67% returned punts. So like as you get later in the draft, teams are looking for, I think it's honestly teams are looking for punt returners and you're probably weighing their risk ratio saying, hey, we take this guy, worst case scenario, he can return punts for us. If he stinks as a wide receiver or something like that. I mean, I think that's part of the calculus. Tutu Atwell was taken in the second round last year as a 160-pound receiver, but he returned punts. He had 10 punt returns before he got injured for the Rams. So, like, they'll spend draft capital on a guy because he can be worked in in different ways. Even if he busts as a receiver, like you said, the NFL values special teams more than we do as fantasy people. So, I think that's going to get Calvin often drafted and maybe a little bit higher than you would otherwise assume. I still think he's probably a day three guy, but maybe early day three, maybe round four, something like that. Um, And he's certainly interesting. Get on the field. He probably is going to have a safe roster spot because of the punt return. And he's like you said, I mean, he's uber, uber, uber athletic, like one of the most athletic guys on the field. He doesn't need height to return punts. That shouldn't be a problem. So if he sticks as the team's punt returner and you've got him rostered in a deep dynasty league, say you take him over, uh, I don't know, I'm blanking, but some big Charleston Rambo. Okay, perfect. Charleston Rambo. Take him over Charleston Rambo. And then Rambo, who may get cut because he's a late round pick and he doesn't return punts. Uh, He actually returned kicks in college, but not punts, which I like punts better. But anyway, um, Rambo might get cut, but a guy like Austin probably is going to stick on a roster. Then week 10 in your super deep dynasty league or whatever, where the waivers are non-existent, you've got Calvin Austin who may find his way into targets when a couple injuries happen in front of him and he's on the team. You'd rather have that guy. So even if you're thinking like, he's not a stud, I'm not drafting him to be a stud, but this guy has a better chance to do something for me. And on top, the cherry on top of that, of course, is he is the kind of guy that could take an 80 yarder to the house. So like you do have, you know, you can't rely on volume probably, but like if he gets five targets could be a boom day. So I just, I like him for the mold he is and the, and the ADP that he's going to be. I really think he's one of my favorite later round targets. Love it. Yeah, no, that's great. I think you had a lot of context there. And I think, you know, one thing that I've been trying to highlight throughout this process when we're talking about this whole draft class is you need context. You know, context matters. You can't just spit out some stats or look at one, you know, highlight reel and say well this is my decision this is why they're first round or second round pick and i think you've added a lot of really good context especially once you get into those fourth rounds you're just trying to find do they have some traits do they have something that if it hits it'll be good you know and like we just mentioned with charleston rambo no offense to him but 
I don't think there is anything there that I'm excited about at the next level that I think he's going to really break out. I think it would be very surprising. Whereas Calvin Austin, yes, it's going to be a long shot because of his size, because of different various, um, you know, situations that he has that maybe are beyond his control. But I did like a lot of what I saw on, on film, you know, very quick, shifty, twitchy, uh, worked really hard, very fast. And like your point, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I have Drake London a little bit higher than I think a lot of people is because up until this last year, he was playing basketball as well, or he was in, you know, competing in basketball. So I think that takes a lot of, you know, mental strain, uh, body strain, different things they're wanting to focus on, different things they're wanting you to develop in your um, abilities athletically and things like that. So absolutely. I think those contexts really matter. I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, I really liked him. He did have a lot of contrived sort of touches in college, but then he also had some really nice, you know, he was split out wide quite a lot for a guy as small as him. And DBs were constantly like holding him and pulling on him because he was just zooming past them, you know, and it, they won't get away with that at the next level. They'll get called um, for holding penalties. So that could be even be something that they utilize, especially like you said, I think the key for him is just being utilized in special teams, working his way onto the roster. And then from there, you know, what if he gets drafted by the Falcons in the fifth or sixth round? You know what I mean? They have a really weak depth chart. So he's I'd, I'd rather have him teams. than uh Zacchaeus or whatever. Yeah, I'd rather have exactly. him than Russell Gage. Exactly. So you just never know, but certainly somebody to keep an eye on. And I, I agree with you hundred percent on the um on the actual sort of rookie draft grade. I would say he's a great fourth round dart throw anywhere in the fourth round. Doesn't matter if you're 401 and you want to take him there, go for it. It doesn't matter. Fourth round is just your guys. Get your guys. Um, but yeah, 100%. I'm with you on that. And we are once again, folks, in lockstep. So see, the miracle does exist. It is a beautiful world. We are, we're going to finish up here with this session talking one of my guys, one of the dudes that I love. And um, I'm hoping that we don't end on a sour note. I'm hoping Alfred doesn't like hate this guy or something like that. So we're going to be speaking. We're going to be talking of none other than the Boise state badass Khalil Shakir himself, uh, Boise state Bronco. He is a senior, 22 years old, four-star recruit. Um, he comes in at six foot, 196 pounds, nine and a half inch hands. So really nice size, really solid size. And um, athletically did really well, uh, better than I think some people expected. I think some people were quite down on him. They thought that he was going to be running like in the four fives or something like that. Um, but he came in at a four, four, three and 40. And again, it was a bit of a fast track, but. That's really solid time. 34 and a half inch vert. Again, that's very solid. It's not like, oh my goodness, he just broke records, but certainly not a bad thing. Um, and 10 foot, four inch broad jump. Um, so again, we touched on this a couple of times. We'll keep going back to it because it's nice to hear these kind of stats when you're you know, stacking up players and looking at different prospects. But his breakout age was 19.6, which is in the 74th percentile. So certainly good. It's not elite necessarily, but it's very good. Um, he did have a 32.2% college target share, which is in the 95th percentile, which is great. Um, he was utilized on special teams as well, punt and kick returns. So to our point that we've been kind of harping on about, certainly another another facet of his game, another feather in his cap when it comes to his potential draft capital and landing spot. Uh, in 43 games in total for the Broncos, he had 206 receptions for 2,878 yards, 13.8 yards per reception, and 20 touchdowns. But he also had, which is really interesting and something I love about his game, 71 rushing attempts for 414 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, and four touchdowns. 
2021 alone. So he ended on a high, which again, I love to see. I mean, there's always, like we said, nuance could be injury could be for different reasons, but it's always great to see a prospect kind of their trajectory going up and up and up as they go towards the NFL. And that's what he did in 2021 um, in 12 games. He had 77 receptions for 1,117 yards, 14 and a half yards per reception and seven touchdowns. So quickly here, I am going to rattle through some of the things that I love. I'll try to keep it under three and a half hours because I know that Alfred has places to be people to see. He's a very popular dude, but suffice it to say, I love Khalil Shakir. Um, he's certainly one of the dudes I'm going to be trying my best to leave every draft with. Um, there's just a lot to like about him. I mean, from a sort of basic perspective, he seemed to me when I was watching him, he got better every year, which is, you love to see that. Um, he was involved in special teams, which again is really important to me. Um, he he was all over the field. He worked out of the slot, but he also got split out wide. He um, His hands, he has good hands. It looked like he got better to me with his um, with his hands catching and the, and his focus on, on his catching. Um, he does have some body catches at times, which I don't love. Um, but again, I did see a lot of good hand catches. He was used in uh, so one of my favorite things about him is he's used all over the field but especially in jet sweeps he's used as just a traditional running back at times you know a la sort of a Debo Samuel just literally hand off the ball and he has some really good wiggle some good um acceleration some some just he has a good ability to read the field almost like a running back where he can read blocks and he can read sort of what's happening set people up and he has a good bit of juking and sort of just shiftiness to him he has some really nice lateral agility um his routes have gotten better. Again, I don't think he's a perfect route runner. I'm not saying he's the best route runner in the class. I think his routes are getting better. Um, but he's a he's a willing blocker. He certainly looked more elusive to me as a senior. So his final year, um, he lines up all over the field. And he really worked on his body control as well. Like Especially in his senior year, there's a couple of games where he just does these crazy contortion, one-handed catches. I mean, I forget which game it was. There's two, game where he has two one-handed catches in one game. <laughs> he's just. Um, I think the quarterback play was iffy at best maybe not amazing and um you know so for and and the great thing again what we talked about with Traylon burks it was like at a lower level obviously not at an sec level but they needed and wanted to use khalil shakir like all the time like every third down it was like okay it's shakir down you know like we're gonna find this dude on third down we're gonna manufacture touches for him whether it be jet sweeps whether it's gonna be out of the slot whether it's gonna be downfield um so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I really like the guy. I think he's really well-rounded. He does a lot of things really well. He probably could be – he'll probably be a slot receiver at the next level, I would assume. Um, but, it, but again, with his uh, special teams and things like that, he has a lot of different elements to his game that can be utilized. So I'm a big fan. I think he could be a really solid piece that you use um, in your fantasy teams even. So that's kind of my two cents worth, but I'll leave it – I'll throw it over to Alfred to see what he thinks of Khalil Shakir. And remember, he's one of my guys. So you're not allowed to be too mean to him. No, I'm joking. Say whatever you want. Say, say, let me let me hear the truth and nothing but the truth. Well, we're going to make it four for four here. And honestly, you gave me the lineup of the guys we were going to be talking about. And I was like, well, there's not going to be too much of a dissent here. Uh, I like Shakir a lot. Um, as far as kind of a big picture, some of there are some red flags right off the bat. Being a G5 guy, so that's the group of five, which is a lower tier kind of, of, of conferences in, the, in college football out of the Mountain West. Um, generally speaking, that is a low hit rate for anybody out of the G5. It's not impossible. Antonio Brown went to a G5 school. So obviously the highest of the highs can hit. But uh, it's a little bit concerning, which 
I, the only thing that would cause me to do is be a little sheepish on where I'm going to take him in a rookie draft. I, I may not um, leapfrog him over some other guys in a, in a power five conference, but at some point he's very appealing. I just hope he doesn't get, you know, too jacked up with ADP. Um, the other thing, but everything else you said is great. He's actually got real nice size. I love, I mean, it's totally anecdotal. I just love that like six feet, right about 200. Like I love that size. It's just, it's not too tall. It's not too short. It's a nice, dense BMI. I love it. So that's where he is. Special teams work, rushing. Again, like Traylon Burks, the coaching staff is saying, this is our best player. This is our most dynamic player. You love to see it. He excelled. He was efficient. His 2020 season, under COVID, of course, so I think a, a little bit limited in terms of games played, a little bit funky, but in terms of a market share, he only had like 700 and something yards receiving, but it was 42% of the Boise State receiving market share. Like that's insane. That's top five, I think, going back into the early 2000s of anybody. And he did it as a junior. Granted, it was a funky season. I kind of think COVID, the COVID season caused him to come back. I, I think if it had been a full season with your typical publicity, your typical, um, you know, progression towards the off season. And if he would have done that in a full season, I, I think he might've gone pro, which would have been nice. He's a guy I may not have a problem with as a fourth year player, especially out of the G five. It's rarer for a third year guy to go pro out of the G five, but I think he had the career that, after year three, he could have made the leap. I think it was it was a funky season, and he's a guy I'm kind of willing to give a pass because that third year for him was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we truly are talking borderline historically good from a market share perspective, um, which you love to see. And I think he's just I think he's a really good player. I, I agree with everything you said. He does pass the eye test. I watched a lot of Mountain West football because it's fun. It's usually later in the day after the big games have gone. He's really good player. So I don't know where he should go. I think if he, you know, if this is all in the power five, everything's different, of course. But like, I'd be like, he's a top, top five receiver. Coming out of the G5 ranks, his draft capital is going to be less. That's baked into kind of what I think about him. I hope he gets day two capital. I think that's certainly possible because like you said, and we've talked about on the show, uh, some teams going to be like, hey, worst case scenario, I think he can re return punts for us. So they may take him a little earlier than they would otherwise. And he's got good enough size, unlike Calvin Austin. I think he can be a contributor, wide receiver two or three. If he if he gets that, I'd be in mid-second round uh, for your rookie drafts, I think. So I'd like Shakir over Christian Watson. I'm not going to have a lot of Christian Watson because I think he's going early second sometimes in these mocks. Yeah, no, I think he's, I think definitely Watson will be in the late first by the end of time's all said and done. I, I'm a big, I really like Watson, but I really love Shakir as well. So for me personally, I am, yeah, I'm pretty much with you as far as like, unless something really crazy happens and he goes down to like the sixth round or something, which I don't imagine would happen. Um, I'm, I'm very comfortable anywhere in the mid second round. I would even, you know, for me personally, because I like him and because he's one of sort of my guys, 
I'd be comfortable reaching up into like the 203, 204 range for him um, in a one QB league or certainly mid second in a, in a super flex league. But absolutely. I think they're closer for me than, than for you. I'm a bigger Christian Watson guy than you are, but I oh, just, man, we could have had some debate, but I know like, all guys I already I like. talked about, I already talked about Watson. We could have really gone back and forth on this for me. I would take him over Shakir. I would take him over a couple of the other guys, but yeah, nothing crazy. I'm not taking Christian Watson at the one Oh five or anything like that. But if all the big names of the receivers are gone and if my top running backs are gone uh, and it's a one QB league, so I'm not dipping into the quarterbacks yet and it's not tight end premium. So I'm not looking at tight ends yet. Then I'm, I'm probably taking Christian Watson at the one eleven, one twelve. but I'm then taking Shakir at the two Oh two, two Oh three. So pretty close, you know, pretty close, all things being equal, but no, absolutely. We could have had a, a better debate maybe possibly, but what might've been, but instead we had a beautiful friendly conversation that resulted in us um you know being happy about oh, where we're at with all four of these prospects so just to recap then i think with shakir we're comfortable anywhere from like sort of the higher ish second round but certainly in that in the middle of the second round is a sweet spot um all things being equal in a one qb or even in a super flex league guys hope you learned something hope you found that interesting and insightful and again thank you so much to alfred for taking time to jump on and discuss some of these prospects because guys if you don't already go check out campus to canton if you're any level of a degenerate and you feel like going into even further levels of degeneracy can't recommend it enough they're great guys over there they're doing the lord's work and definitely give um alfred a follow on twitter at alf at alfred jf he loves possums i'll say that about him he loves talking campus to canton um and he's a good dude so yeah guys thanks very much alfred is there anything else you want to shout out anything else you want to say before we go uh the only thing is if you uh like youtube we are trying to kind of rally some um, interest over there. We're putting out uh, videos every single day. So not only the website, but also our YouTube channel has got some really fun stuff happening over there. And then if you like any of this that I was talking about in terms of C2C Campus to Canton format, um, my DMs are always open and I am more than happy to chat with you, answer questions, tell you how to get into it. All that stuff. I know it's a barrier to entry, but what we're trying to do, you know, as an as a as a company, basically, is make that barrier to entry a lot less. So more than that, there are no dumb questions. There are no bad questions. Hit me up on Twitter. I live there all the time. Love it. Thanks again, Alfred. And guys, thanks for sticking with us. We will be back with even more amazing breakdowns, two at a time. Stick with us. Speak soon. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver ran, it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a Dynasty debate.